Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, coming to you from North Carolina, still very large state, as we, Stephanie and I, continue our journey north, where we're going to spend the summer on the Chesapeake Bay, so we're excited about that. We've got a really great guest today, Dr. Roger Hall, and um, when Roger was uh, pitched to me as a guest, his book is called Staying Happy, Being Productive, and I love that because as as you know, you have to produce, you have to be a, a uh, just a real prolific content creator if you're going to have any success at all as an entrepreneur. So um, let me introduce Roger. He is the author of, as I said, Staying Happy, Being Productive, the big 10 things success, successful people do and expedition. And he is a business psychologist with clients all over the country. He works with entrepreneurs and small business owners, which make up my audience. And he trains leaders to monitor and manage their thinking. Roger knows great leaders work on themselves first and then success in their companies follow. Roger received his doctorate in psychology from Ohio State University. In 1991, he's worked with thousands of leaders and loves to work with small entrepreneurial firms, which is my sweet spot as well. Roger, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Grateful to be here. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, and I know we just met. Can I call you Roger or do you need Dr. Hall? <laughs> no, please. No, please. No, no, no pretension. That's so funny. And I'm just kidding around, but one time I did that and somebody right in the interview says, yes, excuse me, it's Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm going to continue, but I'm going to remember that next time. Um, so uh, a business psychologist, When so when you, was that always your dream? Like, I mean, you come out of high school, you go into college. Did you, did you love uh, psychology? Was that your goal or did you kind of fall into it for, for some experience? Yeah, more like tripped into it, Jim. Um, I know I, my first psychology course, I thought, man, these people are weird. Um, <laughs> but the more I studied, I was, I was a communication undergrad. And the more I studied the things I was interested in, I went to talk to one of my professors and said, how do I do this in real life? And he says, well, you get a PhD in psychology. And I said, well, how about a PhD in communication? And he said, no, nah, you'll be bored like me. And I thought, okay. So I went and got a Got another major in psychology and, um, you know, applied to graduate school in all the wrong ways. Um, and what I really wanted to do was help healthy people do better. Kind of like, you know, sports psychologists help their peak performers, you know, the, get their get their head game together. The, the thing that distinguishes great athletes is not their physical ability. It's it's their mental focus and their mindset. And so I do that for business owners. A hundred percent on the mindset. It is everything. Um, I used to do a lot of speaking. I don't do too, too much anymore, but you know, there was an expression that if somebody says, well, you know, I, I think uh, an entrepreneur or business owners may, you know, you got your skill, your passion, your drive, your ambition, and you know, maybe your moral compass, whatever. And you stir all that up and I can tell you how successful somebody's going to be. And I said, I don't think that's correct. I think it's all of those things equal the machine that is your business and your mindset is the fuel that drives the business. So 
and I've been coaching now for 12 years and I can tell you, I've worked with some of the most brilliant people that have yet to have success in business because they don't have the mindset. They don't either have the, the, the courage, the ego or the, whatever it is that says, yeah, I can go do that. Do you know what I mean? Is I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with oh, that whole piece. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, one of the things I, I work with my, my clients on is, you know, we all have this stream of consciousness that runs through our head and very few of us ever stick a ladle into that stream to sample what's in there. And when people start to sample what's in their stream of consciousness, they find out it's full of trash. And so my job is to filter out the head trash. Oh my gosh, we're, we're so much on the same page. I, I wrote a book, uh, my sixth book was called Decide Roger and it, it really is an entrepreneurial mindset book. Um, and I talk about head trash. And uh, years ago, when when I started writing books, and you know, I was told, "Man, you got to get out on the stage." Well, I had this real fear of public speaking, and um, but I knew it's what I needed to do to to really accelerate my growth. So I I did a lot of things, but one of the things that I did was I went to a, a hypnotherapist, and um, the way he explained, because I said, "Oh, I'm doing positive affirmations, I'm doing all this stuff." He goes, "Yeah, but." Jim, we have to fix whatever is going on inside because if you're just laying positive stuff over bad yeah. stuff, it's just going to gel. So, Roger, um, you may have heard this. If not, you're going to love it. He goes, think of if you were a coffee lover and you get like the most expensive bag of coffee from some amazing country and you then you try and uh, make this great pot of coffee in a carafe that's got a lot of crud on it. You have to scrape the crud out before you can have a great cup of coffee. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I, I don't think imitation is the highest form of flattery, Jim. I think outright theft is. Just and that steal is, that it. Is theft worthy. <laughs> yeah. So you got to scrape the crud out. So, um, so when you, so Roger, when you became a uh, psychologist, I mean, obviously you could go in, in many directions like marriage, personal fear, family dynamics, but did you always kind of zero in on, on business or entrepreneurship? No, I didn't. You know, I, I started out with this kind of fuzzy idea of where I wanted to go. And I went into a subspecialty that talked about career psychology and um, helping, you know, pretty high functioning people do better. But like a lot of young people, I got caught up in, in, you know, I'm going to help the really, really desperate people. And I, and I started doing that. I did, did psychotherapy. I did marital and family therapy early on in my career. And while I was good at it, I mean, it was exhausting and it wasn't good for me. And so probably about 10 years in after a couple different jobs, I, I've, I found a guy and I said, listen, I, I, need to, I need to redevelop. And so he spent a year training me on uh, business psychology. Uh, and there's a, there's a discipline called consulting psychology. And that, that's kind of the sub-discipline I'm in that's been around since the 1910s. And I've been happy ever since um, helping business owners improve their life. And when, when the leader improves his or her life, all the people who work for them, their lives get better. That's true. So, um, you know, there's this um, thing called freak out where, you know, you're, you're, we live in a, and especially I guess the last year, you know, with COVID and all that other stuff where people are just panicked about everything. Um, and, and I don't mean to make light of it. I mean, I know business owners whose businesses were decimated, restaurant owners, people yes. in the, um, one of my clients was in the, um, 
They did events at corporations. Yes. Well, corporations ceased to have events or people on their campus, right? So, um, so there is a lot of stress and panic. So do you work with people in that area as well as kind of, you know, positive development? I guess that would be positive development, it, but you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right, Jim. In this last year, I have seen people freaking out at levels that they haven't done, even, even in, in the Great Recession of 08, 09. Um, they, they are, they, they're jumping at every little thing. And as a result of that, I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll create a, an online course called freak out, um, which the subtitle is fear less, live more. And it, it, it's kind of the, the distillation of all of the stuff I know about how do you manage fear so that you can live more. And, and you know, you're an entrepreneur, you know, that, the life of an entrepreneur is to embrace a calculated risk. And what I have found in the last year is that people don't want any risk. They want to be completely safe. And that's no way to live a life. It's no life for an entrepreneur, I'll tell you that. I mean, first of all, leaving what I consider the average scenario. So you're leaving your every other week direct deposit, you know, paid health insurance, two weeks off every year, whatever you want to say, into where you have to you have to generate revenue or there'll be no paycheck. Yeah, exactly. And and I, you know, I was I was a you know a W two employee for most of my early life until I launched out on my own, and it was you know, it was a, a fear inducing event, but I learned, uh, I learned that, Hey, I could do it myself. Hey, I, I, I am paying my mortgage you know, I've, I've always paid the gas and electric bill. My, my health insurance is paid. My kids are getting educated. You know, there's food on the table and it took, it took a period of years to, to transfer that locus of control from a large organization or group of people who would take care of me back to myself. And I really began to believe in my own instrumentality. And I think what we've found in this last year is people are starting to doubt their own instrumentality, their own initiative, and they're wanting someone to take care of them. And, and what I'm trying to do is help people alleviate those fears so they can realize, hey, it's important for us to work together. It's important for us to to depend on people, you know, other people for some things. But at the end of the day, you know, we wake up every morning, whether we're W-2 employees or whether we're entrepreneurs, we're in charge of our productivity and we're in charge of whether we succeed or fail because that's all inside our head. You know, I know you're a fan of uh, Yogi Berra, you know, 90% of baseball is mental <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the other half is physical. Yep. Um, I like, uh, you know, Henry Ford, who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. I mean, which just proves the point that so much of success, I mean, it's it's what happens between the ears. It is a mental game. So I'm curious, obviously without naming names for your clients, but what what's the biggest thing you're seeing even in the last, you say, uh, 12 months? What's the biggest challenge people, business owners come to you with? Is it, well, I, I'll, let me just stop there. Tell me about your practice. So, so yeah, I've got, I've got um, business owners and entrepreneurs all over the country, um, li literally from, from Hawaii to Connecticut, from Montana to Puerto Rico, Fort Lauderdale, you know, and all points in between uh, in all sorts of different businesses. And Jim, you mentioned 
earlier that um, you you're looking at the restaurant industry and they are absolutely getting hammered. They are disproportionately getting harmed by this, um, you know, the, these um, these lockdowns, as are the entertainment and event businesses. They're, they're just decimated. And I have friends who are in those businesses and, and they're just keeping their heads down. Uh, but what I'm seeing is everyone is afraid to act on what they think is right because they're afraid that other people will think they're doing the wrong thing and call them out for it. Uh, so, so everyone is afraid that they'll make a mistake and that there'll be some sort of bad consequence to it. And no one wants any, you know, and, and, you know, with the, with the restaurants that I've worked with, none of them want any of their employees to be sick. And so they're doing everything they can to make sure that their employees uh, are secure in their work setting. Uh, but everyone is a little bit afraid of, boy, if, if, if we open up, will that be the wrong decision? And, you know, despite what lots of people say, um, the business owners I work with love their employees and want what's best for them. Um, right. And, and so they do care about what happens to them. And so, so there is this real, this real tension of, when do we go back 100%? You know, when do we open up 100%? When do we come back in the office? And how do we respect the wishes and the health of our employees? And, you know, they're trying to make those right decisions. And because there are no clear answers, sometimes they're, they're not doing anything. Um, and, and it's that, it, it's that being in the, in the middle of indecision, uh, that gets you in trouble. Uh, a friend of mine just told me yesterday, there, you look at the Venn diagram, there's, there's hell no and hell yes. And in the middle where they overlap is just hell. And so it, it really is about, you know, making that decision. Oh my God. In, I love that. I'm, I might have to borrow that one from you. <laughs> well, I, I stole it. I shamelessly <laughs> stole it from my friend. So, okay. Um, you know, two of the things that I believe, and again, just so I've been working with people 12 years, um, how to be is the fear of criticism. And, you know, probably very, very close to that is what's called the imposter syndrome. I don't know if that's a, a technical term or not, but uh, the fraud syndrome, fear of being found out is what prevents a lot of entrepreneurs from stepping up and stepping out. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, the, the imposter syndrome is a real thing. It's based on research in the, in the, from the 1970s. And somewhere about 85% of people who are moderately sex, successful, if you put them in a room of, of other people, they'll look around and they'll say, everyone deserves to be here except me. Okay, that, that means 85% of the people in the room think just like you. It's only you know, 15% who think they belong there. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch a friend's book. There, there's um, a, a new book out by a friend of mine named Chris Kelso on the imposter phenomenon. Um, and he, he examines how people feel like frauds all the time. And that's part of the head trash is, is the belief that you look around and everyone looks put together. But you, realize, you remember this morning when you were getting ready, you know, what, what a train wreck you know, your morning turned out to be and 
everyone else in the room is remembering how their morning was a train wreck and how you look put together. And so we compare each other to the external outward appearance of others and we always come up inadequate. Right. Um, you know, it, it's interesting about uh, risk. Um, it, again, referencing my book, Decide, I write that in my, this is my own, uh, my own non-college educated business psychologist training. This is how I describe risk as far as an entrepreneur. I think there's three stages of risk. It's what I call a savings account entrepreneur, a stock market entrepreneur, and a casino entrepreneur. Savings account means it's the safest thing in the world. Like if you put a thousand dollars in your local savings and loan, and you go back there in 20 years, you're gonna have a thousand. You're gonna have a thousand and two dollars because there's like no interest, but it's very safe, right? Mm-hmm. At the stock market, you you could go up, you could go down but there's certainly more, there's more reward because there's a little more risk. And obviously a casino entrepreneur, somebody like Fred Smith in the late seventies, when he started Federal Express, he put everything, pushed all those chips in the middle and bet big, right? So mm-hmm. do you, th- first of all, what, what do you think of my um, non-college educated way of, of looking at risk? And, and is, that what, is that what holds some people back today? They're, they're trying to be a savings account entrepreneur, but they really like the payout or the reward of being a casino player. Well, but you you can't you can't be a casino player unless you put money on the table in the casino. If you leave it in the bank, you'll never you'll never get there. I, I love the analogy. I think it's a great way to distinguish it. You know, I grew up in a house. You know, my my dad was a university professor, and they were savings account people. Yeah. Um, and and to break out of that required a lot of experience on my part. And so the people I work with are either those stock market entrepreneurs or those casino entrepreneurs. Oh, that's great. I'm really enjoying our conversation here. I keep looking at the clocks. I know this, this half hour is going to go by quickly, but we, we still got time. <laughs> okay, uh, good. I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, I was looking at your book, um, and, you know, various chapters and chapter seven is called Money Life. Money can't buy you happiness, but can sure help you avoid a lot of misery. Do you think that how, how many people do you have to counsel on money issues? Like, you know, everything from whether, you know, you have a poverty mindset or an abundant mindset or money's limited. Like, is that a big part of the business owners you work with? Oh, it's a huge part, and you know, and I don't claim to be a money expert. I mean, there are lots of people who are money experts, but in terms of the psychology of money, I have seen a lot of really faulty thinking about that. And it's not just the entrepreneur; it's very often the the spouse of the entrepreneur that that will create conflict in their home if they have different ideas yes. about money, and and I look at the continuum of money, and you know. As you've said, lack of money will make you miserable. Money won't make you happy, but it sure can help you avoid a lot of misery. And and so if you've got no money or you're in debt, you'll be miserable. And there's really good research that there's kind of a one-to-one correlation between life satisfaction and income up to a point. And then after that point, the line flattens out and it almost takes four times as much income to get one increment of, of life satisfaction or happiness. But then on the way other end is what I call too much money problems. And I spend a lot of time with, with some of my high net worth clients on the too much money problems. And, and those too much money problems are everyone comes to you with their handout. And so you stop knowing who your friends are because everybody wants to be on, on the payroll. Yeah. And, and, 
for those people, it's really a lonely place to be that, that you're the one who's always picking up the tab. One of your other chapters, uh, number five, Roger, social life. I mean, you know, for the first 10, 12 years of, of my business, I actually never added up. So it's kind of the cliche. I worked the 80 hour work week. So <laughs> there really wasn't, you know, that much social life. And I think that's another thing that that holds people back is it. And given my my merit, my uh, my boating lifestyle now, I think it's like one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat. I, I really want to go out for a ride in the boat, but I really don't want to leave the safety of the land. Yep. Right. So is, t- talk about chapter five a little bit. Yeah, social life, for, for the entrepreneurs and business owners I work with, this is one of their biggest problems, is finding people who know, who know the pressure of having to make payroll. And, and you've talked to entrepreneurs and business owners. They, they've mortgaged their house in order to make payroll. They're, they're doing everything they can to keep their, their employees paid on time. And that's an incredible amount of pressure. And so when they're looking for friends, they they find a vice president of a large corporation and that person, while they have job pressures, they don't have payroll pressures. And and it's a a really lonely place to be. And so it's hard for the entrepreneurs I work with to find people who understand their life because most people look at them and go, oh, Mr. Big Business Owner, but they don't understand the, the real responsibility and the pressure of trying to, to, to take care of their employees. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a pretty lonely place to be. And so I really encourage them that if you really want to have a healthy, abundant life, you've got to find, and I call them casket carriers. You need about a half a dozen friends, just enough to carry your casket. Oh. Um, and, and for entrepreneurs, you know, well, for everybody as, as adults, it takes about 10 years to find one of those good friends who will be with you through thick and thin. You know, I, I look at, I look at my casket carriers and I've got about a half a dozen really good friends and the newest one I've known for 15 years, the oldest one I've known since junior high. That's pretty rare. I mean, Honestly, that's pretty rare to have six really close friends. I think, especially for guys, my own opinion. Oh, <laughs> so you're you're doing something right there, Roger. Well, I, I'm intentional about it um, I, because Jim, I see this and I see the loneliness. And if if you look at the research on life satisfaction, having close, loving relationships and having meaningful work are the two things that predict life satisfaction. And, and, you know, you and I talk about work all the time, but having those close, loving relationships um, is so important for life satisfaction. And so I encourage people, hey, if you don't have that many friends right now and you don't have you don't have your casket carriers, um, now's the time to start. And it'll take about a decade to, to develop a friend. And you'll have to go through a lot of people who, you know, you think at the beginning they seem like good friends, but over time you realize now, nah, you know, we just don't click. And so you've got to, you got to constantly be looking for those, those few faithful friends. Yeah. And by the way, for the listeners, we're not talking about the 3,248 Facebook friends. No. <laughs> so no. Roger, we're down to about five minutes. So, um, but I, I have yet to ask you, a, well, I have asked you about the book, but your subtitle, the, 
big 10 things successful people do. I don't know if you can name the 10 or just maybe talk about one or two in our no, I'll just, closing I'll, moments. I'll, I'll run through the list of, of, of the big 10. And okay. I, I had, to, I figured at some point I had to just stop um, because otherwise it'd be, you know, the, the 47 yeah. things, and that's too many, but the first is thought life, uh, managing your thinking, uh, taking out your head trash, exercise life, nutritional life, love life, social life, work life, money life, sleep and rest life, recreational life. And last but not least is spiritual life. Mm. And they're all essentially, you're right. I think you've whittled it down nicely. <laughs> so pick, pick, unpack just one of them, if you would, and let it, whatever your favorite or the most needed one you think. You know, the, 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 I'll start out with thought life. You know, we've okay. talked about head trash. Um, um, and I spend most of my time helping people change their mindset. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a neuropsychology nerd. And so I understand what happens in the brain as we learn by talking, we can actually rewire our brains through conversation, and and we change the biochemistry and on it on a mic you know a microscopic level on a cellular level we're changing the way those brain cells the neurons connect and it's it's absolutely amazing to me that we can change the biology of our system by conversation, and so. So finding people to help you, you know, bounce around your ideas is an incredibly powerful thing that you can do and you can lead to long lasting permanent changes because you're changing the biology of your brain. This is good, good stuff. Again, I could, I could keep going for another half hour, but the clock dictates everything. Dr. Roger Hall, how can <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure having you on Dream Business Radio. How can people connect with you? Where can they get your book? Yeah, they can, uh, they can reach out to me uh, at my website, drrogerhall.com, drrogerhall.com. They can get the book on that website or on stayinghappybeingproductive.com. And they can find out more about a, a course I've developed to help people stop freaking out called freakoutcourse.com. And you can sign up there, get on the wait list for the next time we run it. Very good. Roger, thank you so much for being my guest on Dream Business Radio. Greatly appreciate your time. Jim, I am so grateful. Wonderful interview. And I hope we've helped your listeners. I'm sure we did. So in fact, my, my um, suggestion to everybody listening right now is hit the replay button or hit rewind. If that, if you're listening to it on cassette tape, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just aging myself there, but um, seriously, go listen to this again. There's a lot of stuff. I'd suggest getting Roger's book, staying happy, being productive, the big 10 things successful people do. Um, if you're connected with me only here in the podcast, which I think would be a huge mistake, get connected at getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in my uh, dream business mastermind and coaching program, that is dreambizcoaching, dreambizcoaching.com. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> 
See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.